Hey, welcome to Diaries of Badass Bosses, the podcast series that takes a deep dive into the journeys of entrepreneurs and businesses who are shaking things up in their industry. I'm Penny. And I'm Tiggs. And in this series, we'll explore the stories of people who have defied the odds, taken risks, and forged their own paths to success. We'll hear from founders who have turned their ideas into thriving businesses, as well as CEOs who have transformed their organizations and taken them to new heights. So exciting. We're going to talk about what it means to be a badass boss, including the challenges, the rewards, and the importance of resilience and adaptability. We're going to hear their stories, insights, advice for anyone looking to make their mark in the world of business, no matter what size. Want a weekly dose of badass boss energy? Join us every Wednesday on all major podcasting platforms. See you there. Well, welcome to the Diaries of Badass Bosses podcast. In this episode, I am delighted that we are joined by the wonderful Andre Lussman, the owner of a thriving hospitality business based in Hertfordshire. As a self-made entrepreneur, Andre has built his business from the ground up, overcoming numerous obstacles along the way with a passion for food and a desire to provide a unique dining experience. He has established himself as one of the most respective and innovative restaurateurs in the region. So welcome. Lovely to have you. Um, today, we're going to be delving into your background, um, your journey um, into the world of hospitality. Um, and we're going to explore the history of the business. Okay, so where you've come from its early days to its current success. Um, and hear a little bit more about the challenges you kind of faced along the way as well. Um, so let's kick off. Good morning and thank you. <laughs> so nice to meet you today. I've actually, I've been in uh, your restaurant a couple of oh, times yeah. actually. It's an Auburn's one, so. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've been in a few, so I think I've nearly covered all of them, but I've not quite done Berkhamstead, so we'll come on to we, that we've one. We've been so around that's... for 20 years. Yeah. So you've had time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel judge. In my defence, I've only been up this way a few years. So. But don't worry, don't worry. And if you hadn't eaten in Lusmans, it's not a problem. <laughs> But what I can say is it's beautiful. So Mm. I'm absolutely a big fan. So first of all, can you just tell me a little bit about your background and how you even got started in hospitality? Um, uh, Yes, I suppose I I came from a family that was loosely connected to hospitality. um, And I'm I'm from a generation which um, didn't take too much time to consider what one was going to do and probably um, was driven more by what your parents said you ought not to do mm-hmm. um, and uh, as a result of that um, yeah, one of my parents uh, made it clear to me at a very young age um, I, I wasn't the calibre to be a pilot um, <gasps> no. or a dancer for fame um, so uh, and when I asked what I ought to do they said um, I should work in a hotel and that was probably it because um, it was the die was cast the time was told and the rest of uh, my my um, my thirty years in in the industry has been down to that that moment. Um, but you know, you don't think about it; you just get on with it. And, yeah. And I suppose yeah. because I had some relationship with hospitality, with my family, it, it sort of made sense. So not not very sexy, but just um, a very sort of pragmatic. And, <laughs> and I think it was discussed and agreed, and and you know, over sort of um, you know, darning a sock and a couple of minutes, and then that was it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I came to the careers officer, who said, "Right, let's discuss what you want to do," it was like, "Well, there's no need to discuss. It's been decided." I mean, in a way, my next question was like, "What inspired you to get into the business?" So I guess you kind of really covered that for us. <laughs> Yeah, and also you know you see films that that, that inspire you and and you love and and you know there is still this um, 
this spirit amongst uh, anyone who's made some money outside hospitality that I'd love to have my own bar or restaurant. Mm. And that does cultivate this desire and drive in people, or quite often in people's later years to open up their own business. Yeah. Um, it's a tough business, and, and I hate to say it, it doesn't always go to plan. Mm. So I think, um, like with any industry, you know, it's about starting at the very beginning, grafting for a long time, understanding what goes on behind the scenes. Um, I mean, you'd never think about setting up, you know, a, a chemist or a, or, a, or a veterinary surgery had you not spent some years in studying that you know that business or that craft. Yeah. Um, so it's a very romantic industry. So mm. you know, I, I I suppose I was attracted partly you know by the romance of it as a child. Um, yeah. But you know, the romance does wear off quite quickly when you realise at least when I started the industry it was it was a very tough business and it was a hundred hour week. And that was the Mm. end of it. And there was no discussion. I mean, it is, as as an industry, it's actually known (laughs) for, in the first 12 months, most businesses that start out in hospitality will fail. And that is, you know... It's not a myth, is it? It's no, it's more than than 90%. Yeah. It might even be 99%. It's it's a horrible figure. Yeah. Um, And it's not a good statistic. Mm. Um, But... um, you know, it's like most things. If you if you start uh, at the beginning and and you understand um, the bionics, mechanics, um, the platforms that you need to understand and appreciate well, and show some sort of competence, <laughs> then yeah. you've got a very good chance to at least work well within someone else's industry, or sorry, you know, someone else's business, or you know, better so have um, the drive to maybe look to improve on what you've learned and do it your own way. Mm. Did you uh, did you find your feet working in other people's uh, hospitality businesses first? Like, how did how did you get into from saying I'm going into hospitality? How did you end up with your first restaurant? Um, well, I, I mean, you know, we all we all have part time jobs. You know, mm-hmm. we all have jobs as kids, and yeah. um, and uh, I think my my first job actually was um, a petrol attendant. Um, which I, I think uh-huh. today, but in terms of health and safety, I was 16 or 15. <laughs> I, can't remember. I was down in Devon and I was running a a two um, a, a two station. Well, I don't know what they even they call where you put mm. petrol, but t- you know it was two points where you would and uh, uh, deliver people's petrol into their cars. So you had to do it yourself. And at the same time, they had a small cafe there yeah. that served burgers and chips. And the chap or whoever was responsible didn't turn up. And they sort of said, we'll show you how to use the fryer. And can you imagine the health and safety in terms of the fryer, (laughs) the cafe, (laughs) the petrol station, and you're 15 or 16. Would you mind? We'll show you. Wow. Of which I did. Deep end. Literal deep end. And that was the beginning. Can you imagine? I mean, it's a great sort of scene for a film, isn't it? The whole thing blows up. But And that was the beginning of, I suppose, my relationship, which, you know, from there I then went to work for a hotel and worked as a kitchen porter for a Mm. number of months and years and and in fact I, I I think I was the best kitchen porter this chef had had it was one of these old kitchens with about 25 big burly and those days just male chefs um, with tall white hats mm. very aggressive and when um, the HR manager said you know I think we'd like to have you on the front of house because you're the sort of person that you know, gets on with people. Mm. Um, she spoke to the head chef, or, and, and he said, um, first of all, get out of the kitchen. 
Um, we don't, you know, this is not really your department to come in here. And secondly, don't ever, ever try and take any of my staff out of the kitchen ever again. And then he said to me, um, you're my best person and I don't want you to go. And as a reward, he gave me his chef clogs. Wow. <laughs> his shoes. Wow. <laughs> now, we were the same size feet, thank you. <laughs> but I mean, that was a very strange thing. So I ended up, in fact, the second year running, second year round, because... Um, I then went to college, but I then went back and thought, right, I've got to work this around. So I ended up working sort of 12, 14 hours, and then I'd do four hours. I did them sort of the, the cigar and brandy shift, which was sort of mm-hmm. wow. sort of 12 o'clock at night until 3 a.m. Yeah, for the, for, the, for the, uh, the, the those which were staying in the hotel. I, and he wasn't aware of it until he became aware of it. I was like, well, I've, you know, I can't wash your dishes forever. I've, I've got to <laughs> develop. And, and I suppose I wasn't too interested in becoming a chef. I wanted to get out and be where it was glamorous and glitzy and full of beautiful people because the kitchen was a very dirty, grimy, smelly, sweaty, horrible place. Mm. And I thought, I can't stay here forever. Yeah. So I suppose I had my chance to become a chef and I decided at a very young age... I should get out and, 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 and enjoy. And you're grateful for that. Well, yes. I mean, I went back to cooking because I suddenly realised I didn't know how to cook. But, and I realised I had to be able to cook in terms of to run my own business. But um, I, I was grateful. So you know, it all began there. And then I suppose uh, I'll say to anybody, you know, the quicker you can get some experience and the more experience you can get across a multitude of places which are related, the better. Yeah. You can't beat. You know uh, those skills you build up in meeting people, in, yeah. and, and, in confronting, in, in conflict, in communication, in participating in problem solving. Uh, because you know, I'm not saying that if I was the prime minister, I'd make everybody go on national service into a restaurant. But you know, the skills you learn in, in, in <laughs> hospitality, where you are thrust into situations where you've got to get on with it. And yeah. today we do train and support younger staff yeah. who need it Good. which in those days we didn't but it's a wonderful industry mm. yeah and it's a very positive industry when you know when when it works it was well. my first job i you know i set out like i think i was again 14 it was you know yeah. unheard of but i used to work in a restaurant and i did silver service at 14 mm. years old um and i don't think i've ever met a happy chef though does a happy chef exist <laughs> um, chefs have a wonderful way of, of, of presenting a very different facial expression to what goes on. Um, and we've come a really a very long way I mean I remember working with chefs who would work 15, 16, 18 hours and they'd finish their shift and we'd all live in hotels which is a terrible thing because it means you don't Never get leave. away yeah. and we all need to get away you know whether it's from family or work we all need a moment just to have a walk or whatever and in hotels it was dreadful because you slept and lived on the side so therefore you socialized so these ho- these these chefs would would be very miserable throughout 15 18 hours on their feet and they were big chaps you know they weren't very fit and the days of them you know, you know using saunas and, 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 and spas and fitness centres which is which is quite regular now yeah. were unheard of and you'd find them after you'd wash all the dishes you know sort of 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock you'd see them in the bar which would be the staff bar and they'd have a pint and there'd be a sort of 5 or 6 pint glass empty next to them and then they'd have a chaser next to the pint <laughs> And you just and they'd be up in four hours, you know, ready for the groundsman to be you know, cooking breakfast because this was a golf course as well. And you just think, God, they won't live long, mm. bless, and, and they always look miserable until they had the pints <laughs> in their hand. Yeah. So it wasn't a very, 
in retrospect, you think that, that can't carry on. And that's why I'm sure you know, the, 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 um, they didn't live very long. No. And today, you do get happy chefs. I'm happy to say that we've got lots of um, chefs who we've trained um, who are happy. You know, they, they, they have... And I think... I don't think it's rocket science. I think, um, you know, if you have good time away and you get paid for overtime and you work in an industry or a business that listens and actively um, improves the environment in which you work in. And then most important, you know, not most importantly, but you know, as important, you can be proud that you're creating or making or producing something that's come from somewhere honourable with ethics yes. and transparency about the sourcing, the provenance. And you have staff around you that make you a good coffee. That actually, and you know, kitchens on the whole, which are open plan rather than in the dungeons, yeah. or, you know, the cells of Soho, where the cockroaches and rats live. <laughs> then you know we do live in a better place where you know chefs are happier, but I de- I definitely came into the industry at the end of a very severe period of malnutrition, both mm-hmm. mental and, and, and yeah. physical. And it's a testament to your business, I think. You know, you've got five restaurants yeah. in Hertfordshire. Um, so what what would you say is the reason for that success? But what are the challenges that you face because of that? Um. Well, I think you've got to create something that is um, that is attractive, um, you know, in which to get someone through the door. Mm. I think once you've got someone through the door, um, which and, and that and that in itself is a job, yeah. you know, pitch, position, town, demographic, um, the style of operation, how it looks from the front, the styling, you know, the the, the font, the, you know, the the, um, the fascia boarding, the, the, you know, the um, the way in which how it how it looks through the window, what's, you know how the staff are looking. I mean, it was amazing how many customers still look through a restaurant and make their decision based on that. You yeah. know, and we don't always make a decision based on what we see on social media. Um, and I think um, beyond all that, you've got to remember that okay, you've got someone through the door. So how do we make this business product service, which is everything rolled into one, accessible? you know, to um, the demographic that you're trying to attract and how do you make sure that the staff are charming? Um, how do you make sure the cost is right? And I suppose most importantly than everything, if you get all these things right, is saying, how do we remain consistent? Mm-hmm. So these are the sort of pillars or the, the mechanics of what goes on behind the scenes to determine that then you will have repeat business. And then from that repeat business, then you learn about things called cash flow, which <laughs> I, I, I know. Clearly, I, I want to be a pilot, but one of the things you need to be good at being a pilot is understand maths and technology and mm-hmm. IT. And I struggled with a calculator. So it was like, you can see I wasn't great. <laughs> and I have had my moments, but I've learned the hard way. I mean, I set up Lussmann's to begin with in 2002, 20 years ago. Mm. I didn't even know what, the, I didn't know what the word cash flow was. I, I had no idea. Today, I recognise that actually it's the most important word in the business. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, however good you are at, maintaining you know, your consistency and standards and bringing customers in and, and rewarding customers with a service and a product which is better than your colleagues or contemporaries, if you don't know where the cash is, then it's all over. It's yeah. a bit like being at home, just understanding how much money you've got in your bank account and what you can spend on the groceries, etc. And so many business fail, and amazingly with restaurants, we get paid first. So actually, mm. there's a real good reason, that suggest, a real good facet of the industry, which is, if you get paid first, you should never have a cash problem. People who work in retail and have to buy their spring season 
well in advance of what they're going to sell and not quite sure what they're going to sell. And it's so much dependent on the weather, style, you know, what's going on on social media, celebrities and all the rest of it. We in the hospitality industry quite often are quite lucky. You know, we get the cash Mm. first Mm. and we still have a 95 or 99% dropout rate within the first 12 months. Yeah. So, you know, cash is really important. Not cash, but understanding cash flow has become something that I've through you know, difficult experiences of getting it all wrong, I've learned. And I think now I'm all right. Um, so we'll see We'll see <laughs> how the next 20 years go. So on the subject of like bringing people in, and you touched briefly on this a second ago about um, ways that you attract your clients. I know one of the things that has been really important to you along your, along your journey is sustainability. And it's something that you pride yourself and it's mentioned quite a lot in... Um, other interviews you've done and on, on the website. Can you tell us about why sustainability is so important to you and your brand? Yes. Um, I think, I think you know, r- restaurants or you know, feeding people is quite an interesting dynamic. There's, mm. It's actually a very intimate transaction. You know, there's not many things I can think of whereby it is so intimate in terms of <laughs> a legal service <laughs> out there because you're giving customers something that they're having to eat and therefore... Um, the relevance and the value of where that comes from actually is really important. Um, you know, when I grew up in the industry and I worked for other companies, I, I came to understand that you know the engine room, which I've touched on, behind the business, the consistency, your charming staff, the right costs and being accessible, um, are as important today with us being sustainable as they were yesterday because for all the sustainable uh, virtues and ethics and ideals that we stand for, of which we're not very good at marketing, in all fairness, but for all that we stand for and look to, to, to become leaders in, you know, if you don't know how to run the business in the first place, then all of that is irrelevant. Mm. You, know, you know, better half the artisan in what you're doing than the dead artisan. Um, and the funny thing is, is that we as a population and as a generation, we generally don't like to spend too much money when we go out to eat. And we mm. definitely don't like to spend a lot on expensive, um, you know, food that has been, you know, organically reared or, you know, has very good provenance because essentially, you know, it's expensive. Mm. And we think, well, we're just going out for a special occasion and I, I buy good food at home and, you know what, it's a treat, so it's okay. And what you find is quite a lot of expensive restaurants who do it are expensive, yeah, uh, and they have a Burberry tag, or you know, they're very Notting Hill about it, and you know, it's it's you know, you can't afford to eat there on a regular basis. And my my thought was, why can't we create a restaurant group, which is growing, slowly, that actually says to customers, for a pound or two more than what you have on the high street, which is a group or a chain or a, you know a multiple, we'll give you something which is ethical. Yeah, and ethics, you know, something that. Um, the, the, you know, that sits within the umbrella of everything from how you manage your staff to, to you know, how you review and, 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 and oversee the, the um, logistics and, and, and the way in which you manage the, you know, the, um, the, the administration of the business, you know, mm. from waste to, you know, to, to supply, and then right through the province. So when we think about sustainability, we always think about where's your tomato come from or is your yeah. beef organic? And, but actually, that's a, I think that's an integral part. Yeah, it's and the it's a, it's a sexy part, really. Yeah. But in essence, there's so much more to it than that. So the idea was, could we create something which was just a local's favourite? You know, mm. not reinvent the wheel, just make sure the wheel, you know, moves, you know, with less friction. And therefore, do what the competitors do, 
but better. And then the icing on the cake would be for those which were interested, the ethical um, you know, personality of the business was there. But not to the point whereby if you ate in a restaurant, you'd have someone knocking on your you know, table and saying, do you know where these tomatoes come from? And are you aware this beef is such and such? And do you appreciate that we recycle all our waste and the lighting's LED and the staff? Yeah. Because in the end, I don't think any of us care enough to have, a, have some, uh, you know, something dictated to us. You know, we want to mm. go out with our loved ones or someone else's loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> And in doing so, we, we don't want to hear about all that because we probably will know already. Yeah. And if yeah. we didn't know, maybe a couple of touches, but that's great. I'm here to see her or him or them. I'm certainly not here to hear all about your stuff. So we worked very hard to be quite quiet about it. Understated. Yes. It's and, and, it, and, it, and, and, and in fact, I've been told by everybody for 20 years, we're crap at <laughs> marketing so maybe I do know someone who can do marketing just yeah. so well we can always work because <laughs> we just and also I mean I suppose um, you know I come from a, I come from a just about a world where it was always word of mouth yeah mm. whereas yeah. today it's not always about word of mouth you know there are groups yeah. out there very good restaurant groups you know um, that, that spend a lot of time and money and effort on marketing their business a good three to six months before they open yeah. yeah, and they're big names. Yeah, and when we open, we have historically never told anybody apart from the fact that the doors are now open. Come and check us out, and it and it has had its drawbacks because the name Lussmann. What is it? Are you a bagel shop? Are you Jewish? Are you, are you German sausages? Are you you sell shoes? <laughs> it, it's foreign name. I, I don't like foreign names. You know, and all that sort of stuff. So it takes a while yeah. for us to find our feet. Yeah, but again. You know, we're only 20 years old. Yeah. The next 20 years, we can maybe think about changing our approach. But there's a lot of restaurant groups that have opened and had a strategy of opening rapidly a lot of spaces around the UK mm. and then close them. Mm. So to me, that is not necessarily the best strategy. So to me, what you've done and created over the last 20 years is solid it's, it's reliable yeah and you, you know are, and you are known in Hertfordshire and that's what's so wonderful it's such that's why I love Hertfordshire because you know each town each city is it's got its own charm and it's you know so each of your restaurants across Hertfordshire has its own personality in yes, a way that's right. um and I love that because it's not like Here's a blueprint. I'm going to put one in every single town across Hertfordshire. You've actually, you've been integral to that town. And that's what I think is the beauty of it. So as much as you do say you've taken a long time to do it, I don't think you have. I think what you've done is you've actually been passionate about doing it right. Uh, yes. I mean, I, and then that much of that comes from um, a passion and authenticity and you know a, a belief in doing the right way rather than and there are some groups which are very good at selling something you know, which happens in retail and everywhere else but in the end it is a vehicle to make money at all cost and yes you know to be commercially successful you know we have to make money there's nothing more sustainable in my opinion <laughs> than to open a business to employ staff who then pay taxes and then decide how we're going to run the country or how we're going to mm. improve our environment you know that to me is the most sustainable thing possible but um, you know, I, I do think that we could have gone a bit quicker, but we are at least authentic and genuine yes. and yes. learning. And it, it's nice that we now have customers coming through, which are the children of their wow. parents. <laughs> Although I do think Lusma sometimes comes across as being a little bit older. And I always think we're not 
an oldies restaurant. <laughs> you know, but we're not going to be, we're not East London vibe. I get that also. Yeah. So, um, but we have, you know, we have a, a, a wonderful, uh, legion is the wrong word, but a community of, of, of regulars and patrons and customers yeah. who get very upset if something isn't right. Because when you, when you go to London, you know, people eat in London and you invariably eat in more than one place. You drink here, you mm-hmm. eat there, you go there, mm-hmm. you probably do two or three places. Number two, you're with a group of friends. Number three, you're just overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And therefore, the, rela- the relationship between you and that one restaurant is diluted. But when you come out and you live in a local area like, you know, let, let's, let's say St Albans, then you're going out to one place. Yeah. yeah. And you've got one person taking care of your kids that night. So there is a, there's a huge expectation. In addition to that, it's your money. I, you know, it's sometimes when you're in London or you're with a company, it's not. And number three, because you live there, your expectation is, because I live here, do not let me down. And yeah. therefore, you know, there is so much more expectation heaped onto mm. a local's business rather than when you go to London. So when people say, oh, it must be easier outside London, I think, actually, no, because most of us live outside London. And yeah. therefore, we don't want our local restaurants or gems or retailers or shops to let us down. And when our friends and family come to town, we quite often use that restaurant. And, you know, we do sometimes make a mistake. You know, you know we, we are Human. run by humans, you yeah. know, 100%, unlike so many businesses today. And sometimes we make a mistake. And, you know, I have, I have lovely customers coming back to me and writing to me and saying, you know, it's a disaster. And I've, you know, I've come back to this town that I used to live in all those years ago. And, and I've got my friends who didn't know about you. And we've come to your restaurant because it, you know, was my favourite. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. But there is so much passion there, and I sometimes forget how much there is, unlike the groups, yeah, which is not a bad thing. That's actually that's a really good point because I know that like when my husband and I look at places that we've wanted to live, and it's always been like we really need to make sure that we've got a good local. We want a good place to eat that we can rely on and a good place to drink. Yeah. Um, and where I am in Wellin at the moment, like the 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 high street and the the restaurant chains around there are constantly evolving like nothing there seems to last more than maybe two three years max Mm. so we we don't have that in our local area so yes actually st albans and and lisbon's is actually one of the ones that we that we do go to because you know we we know that we can go and get the food that we want to eat so yeah yeah, i never considered long may that continue yeah but the chains the chains have have been fantastic in that they've raised the bar. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. of where we restaurants were in the 70s and, and sitting in a pub garden while my parents drank, you know, a beer and spending four hours in a car or whatever, or in a, in a car and waiting for them to finish, for example. Yeah. That's where eating was, you know, or you went out for your grandmother's 70th birthday to some old hotel with thick flock wallpaper yes. and carpet up to your knees and you dance at word because you know this <laughs> is very foreign this thing you know what do we do you know what i mean mm. whereas today everyone eats out and the chains and you know and they, they have to be respected to the point whereby <clears throat> they've improved the standard of cuisine they've raised a bar they've been and 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 there's so much opportunity for um you know for, for employment and and fantastic career employment you know, in, in, in the industry, which it wasn't there in the olden days, you know, yeah. before sort of, you know, mid mid 90s, it started happening with the advent and growth of Peter Express, for example. Yeah. You know, they were a trailblazer of their time, not today, but, you know, people would wear a jacket and go for dinner at Peter Express in yeah. very smart towns. And people say, well, they did, never did that. I think, well, no, they did. Yeah. Because, you know, it was a special and unique experience. And what makes you choose a location? Um, well, I'm, 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 
I'm somewhat lucky because um, I started off in Hartford, mm. and Hartford being the centre of Hertfordshire, <laughs> just um, <laughs> although it's it's on it's on it's on the border with Essex, um, ish, um, meant that I you know I, I lived there and 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 Lusmans in Hartford was very popular, um, and then you just get to know the county and you get to realise actually um, as long as every Lusmans is different, there is an appetite for us to compete and improve on the luckluster, you know, um, uh, you know, alternative, which quite often are the brands. And we can grow and therefore, you know, we've taken from there. And we've always, we've always taken on, in all fairness, groups or chain restaurants on the whole that have failed <coughs> in that place and nobody has succeeded. So we've always taken secondary sites and um, restaurants that have not worked and most of the time they've been chains yeah so therefore we've been up against it because it was like well the chain can't make it work and it's in a secondary location it's not going to work so we've actually made them work and we've had to work quite hard yeah and therefore i would like to be able to you know grow and and then maybe now you know start considering some slightly you know stronger pitches to be able to compete with them on a you know the, the big groups mm. yeah. on, on, on an equal basis I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this because it's like asking who your favourite child is, but do you have a favourite of your restaurants? Well, I, I can't tell anybody. Who <laughs> I just, I, they're all, you know, because they're all so different. Yeah. They all have their, and, and you know, so PC, but they are very charming in their own way. So, you know, certain restaurants will have a better atmosphere. Certain restaurants will be better for the summer. Certain restaurants better, you know, on a, on a quiet day. You know, it depends really in what mood I'm in. I mean, in all fairness, I, I work very hard, so I don't often think about what mood I'm in and whether I'm enjoying <laughs> the moment. And I can never eat in this man's and enjoy the moment because it's a hugely stressful environment, you know, for me. Because, yeah. you know, if I eat in someone else's business, whether it's a, a success or not, it is wonderful to eat somewhere else yeah. yeah, because it's not my problem. Yeah, And whatever goes wrong, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because yeah. you know what? I'm very easy going, as long as it's not a total disaster. <laughs> but if I eat in Lussmann's, you know, um, I don't want anyone to know who I am. I want to sit in the corner. I, I have to face the wall. You know, I don't want any, you know, the food has to be exactly as, as I, ha, you know, as we have agreed in the service. And all of a sudden the staff are on tender books. Everyone's walking around. Or, and the whole thing is just in a very uncomfortable environment for me. Yeah. And then my family turn around and say, well, it's great that we get discount. <laughs> but, you know, and the food's the lovely. Discount's not worth we, it. We just, it's just not an enjoyable environment. Oh. So it, it's, it's not great. Um, and in fact, we, 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 a local said to me, you know, I love eating here. And I, I'm so happy you've created this business called Lusman because it's my favourite sort of experience. And he said, and he said, Do, you know, and I said, I said, I understand what you mean because that's why I created it. But by creating it, I suddenly realised I can't really enjoy it which is a really odd thing maybe one day but for the time being you know there's you know like any business if, if you're that much involved with every aspect of it mm. you know how it should be I feel like it's the equivalent of when you cook Christmas dinner. The person that cooks the Christmas dinner never actually eats the like. Yeah. They like pick at it, don't they? They don't it's enjoy just like, it. I've done all the effort, put it out there, laid it out on the table. I've done all the work, I've saved over it, and it's just like you enjoy it. Like <laughs> they, they they probably enjoy um, some drinks mm. in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. And, they, and also they probably think I'm not part of any argument that is raging yeah. next door. And you know what? It, it, it is a it is tough Christmas because uh, I've obviously been there. And 
But I do feel that sometimes it's a lovely space to be because you are by yourself. You've got the radio on, and yeah, and you know, and 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 you are just doing it at your own pace, and you can enjoy um, the moment. Um, and, but you're right. You come to eat, and you're like, "No, I'm stuffed." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you haven't eaten much, but you've probably drunk a bit. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the biggest challenges you've faced in growing your bus- business. Um, where where have you found the biggest challenges to be? Well, in 20 years, there's been yeah, you know, there's been um, lots of challenges, um, numerous chapters um, that, uh, that that I've experienced. Um, uh, I, I'd say COVID was probably the biggest challenge, mm. and I think that was um, experienced by every single person, you know, without fail. Um, and uh, we had just opened, um, we had just taken over the old Coluccios in, in Jericho in, in Oxford, in a wonderful little bohemian corner of Oxford, full of professors and students and the old red light districts. We had a you know, great yeah. atmosphere and lots of tourists, you know. Um, and we'd spent, um, I'd spent three months building it with the builder. I mean, I don't do the build, but I'm responsible for the, the you know, design and project management of it all. And then I will always spend the next two months after we open on site with the local manager. So I'm in, I'm invested for a good five, six months in each project. So and it does mean that I go from doing a, a strong, heavy 60, 70 hour week to, a, you know, a much more than that for a, quite a yeah. while. And we opened for two weeks. And of course, COVID came. So that was a huge challenge in one sense, because uh, that word cash flow, yeah. um, because we 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 had we were we were empty as a yeah. business. You know, we had no debt. We were financially strong uh, before we took over this Coluccio's, um, and it was nothing's a dead certain when you open another business. But you know, it was a right pitch, right demographic. We'd got out of the grasp of Hertfordshire. Not that that's bad, but it was like we have to grow. Yeah, we have to get away. Um, and this was a very much a blue ribbon opportunity for us. And we'd beaten some competition for this old Coluccio's. And um, everything was set. Yeah. You know, you, everything was set for a fantastic, you know, um, uh, a future. Yeah. Um, and, of course, with COVID, uh, we had no money. Yeah. So th- the challenge there, in simple terms, was with you, with no money um, and no knowledge of what was going to happen, uh, not to discuss COVID for a very long time, but, you know, we, we decided to, within... Four, the, the, the four days before Boris came on on that Sunday night, which was Mothering Sunday, I think, four days before when you saw nurses on TV yeah. saying there's no food. And I remember that as it was yesterday, there's no food in Tesco's, there's no food in the supermarkets. Everyone's taking everything out on that Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, by the Thursday, we'd spoken to Stevenage, uh, uh, sorry, um, Lister, um, the CEO there. I'd spoken to him and the, the trust hospitals and said, look, I've got 140 staff, 150 staff, six kitchens. I'll start cooking for you. Oh, wow. Um, and that it was right. If we can do that, we can we can we can take um, some money. Yeah. You know, and we'll do them in biodegradable boxes. They'll be organic produce. Um, they'll be cheaper than what you're selling, and it'll be all for the nurses to, you know, etc. To put in their microwaves like a cottage, an organic shepherd's pie, etc. We had a whole way. And he said, "Great, we can start tomorrow, but I need to pass it to my team." The following day, um, it was very much a matter of well, um, I haven't heard from him. And I spoke to my partner and she said, well, this is the NHS. Yeah. And it might take a while. Mm. Um, so in light of that, I said, well, we can't wait a while. 24 hours to me, it was like 24 hours too yeah. long. I, yeah. In my, in, in my naivety, I expected a phone call back within the hour. <laughs> I 
clearly it, it actually took six months for something <gasps> to happen. Um, and it, it wasn't down to him, you know, it, it, there's a lot of layers, a lot yeah, of levels. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and of course, the following day, I said, right, I can't wait forever. And someone had the idea, it might not even be me, it might be someone else, said, well, for God's sake, why don't you offer it to your customers? Yeah. So within 30 hours, we turned Lusman's into an online business. And in the end, did about 500,000 meals across the COVID period. But that time was the biggest challenge because with no cash, there was no opportunity of furlough. And before furlough came, we had no idea where we were going. But it did present a very unique opportunity whereby it meant that we all just kept the lights on mentally, physically, you know, 30% of the business was still working. So we didn't even think about COVID. It was just a matter of getting on and providing a service, which, of course... Um, like you know, you know, like sitting fire to a, to, to a tinderbox. It, it just, it just went mad, yeah. and yeah. I had no idea what was going to happen, and that worked. But that challenge then of you know closing a restaurant after spending half a million, etc., having a six restaurants, hundred fifty staff, mortgages, yeah, and yeah. saying I've got no money in the bank, and of course, in retrospect, you'd have to say, well, you made a mistake there. You should always have some. But, you know, hindsight. Yeah. yeah. And no one thought of COVID. So that would have been a big challenge. Um, Brexit and the turning off the tap of European mm-hmm. staff, massive challenge because hospitality has always been a mecca. You know, it's always been the, yeah. the crucible of staff have come from Europe. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's the Portuguese and the fi- Italians in the 50s and, you know, all the, po- you know, the first generation of Polish in the, in the 90s, illegal or illegal, illegal, <laughs> uh, the, you know, uh, et cetera. You know, we've had wonderful swathes of, 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 of foreign nationals come across and do a fantastic job. Yeah. I suppose it has meant that in the long term we've learned to pay better yes. and train, you know, better and reward better. Yeah. And therefore British staff now, without sounding like I'm a member of the ERG, <laughs> British staff now have a far more rewarding career in yeah. hospitality as a result of Brexit. I don't agree, clearly, because I'm I'm half European, I'm half English, and obviously I run a business, the name's Lussman, I'm not going to turn around and say, but that was a massive challenge, because by yeah. turning that tap off, yeah. we were competing with staff, with fruit pickers, yes. with people in social care, um, with people which were running, um, you know, uh, fishmongers, you know, everybody was fighting for the same staff, and they certainly, there was no staff. Yeah. And that has a massive effect. Um because it was a big um, hospitality crisis, wasn't there, in terms yes. of like trying to get... There was no staff. Yeah. And of course, um, that means all of a sudden that, that um, it's a supply and demand. So that mechanism pops up and all of a sudden people start paying silly money. And all of a sudden your entire business becomes, um, you know, uh, financially um, broken because... What, which would mean I've got to pay twice or three or four times as much yeah. as I was before. It means we can't carry on running a restaurant at that level. But maybe... For some time, we've had too many restaurant chairs and tables up and down the land, which are poorly performing, mm. don't understand the importance of training, don't have any ethics in relation to how they train and how they develop and how they look after their staff. So there has been a cull, you know, we, only, mm. we, we know of Prezo removing another 46 restaurants yeah. you know, last week or this week. And that's the third time or second time they've gone through this process. Yeah, so, yeah. And they're not the only company, you know, Caluccio's before them and Jamie's Italian and there's a whole list of them. So I hope we're not one yeah. that, that has to struggle and suffer in that way. But we have probably got too many restaurants. Okay. And, and maybe, um, you know, the time's come for us to just make sure that what we do have is just slightly better. 
Because that's, that's literally beautifully leading on to my next question, which what does the future look like for you as a business? You know, what do you see in terms of the industry itself, hospitality, but also Lussman's itself? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I've always believed passionately that if you do what you do well and you keep on evolving and listening and pivoting and adjusting, albeit the customers don't see too much of that because they like to know that it's consistent with what they're expecting, then you have every reason to stay in business. And we are very small in contrast to our competitors that we compete with, like the Ivy Group. So a bit like an oil tanker and a tug, and we're the little tug, we can move swiftly, like a, you know, yeah. like, 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 like a London cab. We can, you know, we can reverse and turn around very fast if it's not working. So I think for as long as you've got people which are passionate about giving great service, understand the mechanics of being consistent, accessible, and making sure the staff are always charming, which essentially is a massive part of hospitality, more yeah. than in Europe. In France, it's the opposite. It's food first and staff second. <laughs> I think you've got a very good chance to stay in business. I think, you know, like midwives and like undertakers, hospitality, I think, is an integral part, yeah. you know, mm. like the pub, of what we do. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm not concerned that, that there's going to be um, a culling to the point whereby we don't have many restaurants. I, I, I hope that I'm smart enough and the staff around me, um, uh, which are always improving, will become you know, very much the architects of tomorrow's business and be able to yeah, push me to one side and say, right, Andre, you know, we need to change it up. In terms of Lussmans, we will carry on growing. I mean, we, we are working on a couple of projects as we speak. I can't tell you that. I mean, I can't tell you what they are or who they are. Or what, but um, we are fiercely passionate about growing because the funny thing about growing is that you, you, you know, if you know what you're doing, you, you can essentially become commercially uh, stronger um, because the scale start to, to make sense. And then you start to do the stuff that you're good at. The problem being, you know, with five restaurants, we're a business that has a head office function, but we're too small to you know to, to to really afford it, but we're too big not to have one. <clears throat> so the, the the future is we've got to grow the business, and then I will find that I can do the stuff that I like more of. And you know that's mm. one thing I've learned in in, in business after 20, 30 years of business is that you spend so much time trying to highlight and illustrate and the competencies of staff and what they're good at, what they're not good at, how we need to train them and develop them. And one thing I've learned is actually, and let's not forget that if they're good at something get them to do more of it yeah they're not very good at that they might well never be very good at it so why are we driving them mad and why are we driving ourselves mad so there are obviously key <coughs> competencies that we need to be consistent with but that's one thing i've learned over the years is that we just need to make sure that people who love what they're doing within the business do more of it and speaking of doing more of what you love do your future plans involve you learning to fly that plane no no they don't i know i am um, no, I, I, I have other ideas. I mean, I no, 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 no chance. I don't, you know, it, no. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, there are lots of fields you know, in, in Bedfish and Hertfordshire. Lots of uh, little airstrips. I often drive past them and think because obviously after the World War, you know, there's huge amounts of uh, you know, aircraft were, were, were taken up into the skies from this area. But no, that's a very rich uh, and, and, and expensive part-time uh, sort of hobby. I, I've got other things I want to do. But, um, yeah, I do like being in a plane. I mean... Yeah, as long <laughs> as you're the, not flying uh, it. And the near in the front. You know, if I could ever be in the front of the plane rather than the back, that's always an advantage because, you know, we all of us like to enjoy 
you know, <laughs> the uh, the expensive side of flying. <laughs> Definitely. Always want to turn left. Don't want to turn right. Yes. Don't want to be in chicken class. <laughs> yes. Chicken class? Hell yeah. That's what it's chicken called. class? So my mum was a BA cabin crew, so I know all the code. <laughs> Chicken class is chicken class, right? Economy, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I what I want to know is, do you still have the chef clogs? No. <laughs> oh, they didn't make no, it. No, no, no. I mean, I should have framed them. You're right. I never thought that I carry on with lustbands. I mean, in retrospect, I would if I had kept them in, in some box somewhere. I mean, they probably would have gone green or black. But you're right. They'd be nice to have nailed them to some frame and say, "Given to me," you yeah. know, when I was such and such. Um, no, it was. Uh, it was a nice touch. Yeah, it, it didn't definitely. do it in the end. I mean, I think yeah. you know by today's standards that, that doesn't do it. I'm afraid you've got to work a bit harder than give someone your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're a favourite celebrity like you know Jennifer Lopez, probably oh, you've got you've no problem. Then you're very happy but, to keep them. But yeah. the chef was most definitely not Jennifer Lopez. You know, he was um, far from it. Um, a question we like to ask all of our guests is: if someone invested, and for you, I'm going to say a hundred thousand pounds in your business in your bank account right now what would you do with it cool <laughs> uh, that plane again aren't you <laughs> what would i do with it i've got no idea um i suppose what i would do with it i would extend harpenden into the um to the garden not not mm. totally and in Prove or increase our covers there by by sixty um, percent because it's a very small restaurant yeah. And, and, yeah. and we are oversubscribed quite often. So very boring business decision, but I think I would do that because it would return a good yield. Yeah, um, yeah. And the staff would be happy because it would have a nice refurbishment. Staff always love. Yeah. Because they always yeah. get very upset when they think, "Oh, you've forgotten us when you open a new <laughs> restaurant." It's like, no, we. It's you know, you can't constantly be refurbishing restaurants as it's expensive. So there we are. I think that yeah. I would do. I would do that. Yeah. Mm. So let's move on to our three lightning questions then. Go for it. Um, what is your best business accomplishment? What are you most proud of? Um, uh, making sustainability affordable. I love nice. that answer. Love. I love that answer. Um, what is your favourite productivity hack? Um, right, that's a very modern term. I, I can just about <laughs> work out productivity <laughs> hack. Yes, I, yes, a productivity hack. Um, I'll come back to this. See, it's not very good. I should come back. Uh, I'll think about that. I'll come back to productivity. Okay, hack. come back to that one. Um, and. Finally, what's one thing that the internet doesn't know about you yet? I don't think it knows very much at all because <laughs> I'm quite—I'm one of these rare—I'm one of these rare people that actually, um, as I said to you when we before we started, I think it's very—I think people's private lives is rather boring, and um, and I'm very—I I am hugely excited by my own private life, and I have one. I mean, you know, and, and, and there are many—not many kids. There are, you know, I have children. So. <laughs> Um, and, I, and I'm very, very passionate and pri- I'm very passionate about my private life. But I'd say the internet probably knows nothing. There was one statement I think because of course we all search these things up uh, years, you know, in, in some you know. You googled some, yourself some evening, you know, when you're, like, well, you're a bit bored, which I don't have many evenings like that. Um, I think there's one thing I said that was written somewhere. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, there's lots of stuff, and I quite like it. Not, not, not that it's anything to know. But it's nice to know that there's lots of people out there that actually don't need to put everything out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Without sounding, you know, yeah, you know, just, it's just, I think sometimes we know too much. Yeah. Mm. You know, 
and it's like fine. It's like it's like an actor or someone you like, and you really like, and then you find that they're a bit different to what you thought, or you meet oh, them, yeah, yeah, and you think, oh no, you know. So you know, when we had the co- coffee shop in Kensington, we had a few relationships with a few famous people, and some were really positive. Like when mm. we cooked for Mr. David Bowie, although we didn't meet nice. him, nice. That was very special. Um, uh, not that he was in the, you know, we had to deliver the food to BBC yeah, in White yeah. City. So, but we still we still cook for him for the when, when we had the Jonathan Ross show all those years back. And he said, "I'm not eating this BBC food." So I was called up and said, "You need to sort it out." And I was walking out the door. I said, "Well, Christ, I am going home." And they said, "Well, it's for David Bowie." And I was like, "In that case, I'm not." Going <laughs> and it, but, but there have been lots of others that we've come across who just think, "God, I wish I hadn't." I hadn't met you. You're not quite as nice as what I thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, it can be, can be a real struggle. I've met yeah. a few people that have been, like, high on my list of, oh, my God, I can't believe I meet you. And then, uh, yeah, bless him. Didn't quite. But sometimes I think also you can build it up in your head of how yeah. amazing they're going to be. And then even if they are the loveliest person, it's like such an anticlimax. Because it, it is a very human thing. We do it with films. When everyone says, you go and go see that film. Yeah. And yeah. they finally go and see it and think, well, what's the big issue? Well, if no one has said anything to you, they thought, that's a great film. Yeah. Yes. And it's the same with restaurants. You know, I've yeah. had a number of people say to me, your restaurants, I mean, it was, it was, I enjoyed it very much. It was very good. But, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was quite normal. And I was like, well, what do you expect, you know? You know, sort of in trapeze elephants and, and whatnot. You know, I mean, I, and it's because in this particular restaurant, it took six months for people to get the table they wanted, which was had to be 8 o'clock on Saturday night. I'm like, well, it does get booked up, and yeah. that's life. And because they had to spend, a number of people spent six months or nine months, and they weren't going to come any earlier, and finally when they got, came, after all their friends and everyone mm. had said it was really good, their expectation was so high that we let them down. Yeah. And I said, look... Yes, you probably can cook if you can cook as well at home. Yeah. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Because we are meant to be the kitchen away from home. For those who can't be, you know, bothered to cook tonight, you know, those mm. who can cook. So, you know, expectation is something that, that rages. Every time something's good, yeah. everyone hears about it. And then people turn around and say, well, not what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, when... We're more about being the locals' restaurant. So, you know, there's yeah. always that honeymoon where you get um, a, a club of, a tribe of those that want to be the first. But then you get beyond that. And then you settle into a groove and you, you consistently look after the regulars. And then, you know, new regulars, you know, because you know, they, they move away or some might die or, you know, unfortunately you, you need to keep the numbers going up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I'm just trying to think of your hack. Your what was it again? Productivity Product- hack. Productivity. Uh, give me an example of a productivity hack that someone would have given you. I suppose for me, for me, my one is I'm all about lists, so that I can make sure that n- no balls are dropped because I'm very conscious of. Ah, like, okay, fair enough. You know, so I'll so give you a very quick one. Google Calendar. Yeah. So I put everything on there, even when I'm going out socially. Everything yeah. is on there. Nothing's hidden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is yeah. wonderful because it means yeah. that my entire life, because I, I, I used to always use a little, you know, book or something, and I'd never write things down. Whereas yeah. now everything's in there. Yeah. So I'm, there it is. I'm the same with mine. In fact, I, I don't know if I've ever shown you mine. Mine's colour coded, so I know whether it's work life, <laughs> of course it is. retouching, <laughs> personal note to. S- I even have one that's like green that just says notes to self. Oh, uh, everything goes in there. That's a rainbow. It's a rainbow of joy. Yeah, that's very <laughs> impressive. Connor, what is your productivity hack? Uh, for me, um, probably Spotify playlists. Oh, yes. Spotify playlists, there's one called Flow State and then just any lo-fi beats. It just helps me concentrate if I'm like 
writing a script or writing a pitch to or an email to somebody it, yeah I knew yours was going to be techie as well. Yeah. I'm the old school one with the notepad and pen. So, Why is yours notepad very, and pen? Oh, yeah, I'm all about... I'm, I think because I'm a PR and because for me, when I write a press release, if I'm editing anything, I'm still about the pen. I'm still very much yeah. about... That is my process. It's just something that... I, I do do it on computer, don't get me wrong. I'm not that old school that I don't use computer. But I think like physically writing and editing... I suppose it's like writing your own book. It's the same process. It just, it's How just... How is your spelling? Terrible. Because I find that since I've got older and I'm writing less, I, my spelling is so bad. Yeah. And, a number of, and I always know that when I've, when I've come up, when I've... Often people say, well, who does all your complaints? I mean, we don't have many. I'm happy to say that statistically, 98% of people who do this gives us a, gives us a thumbs up. That's but amazing. I deal with all online yeah. stuff. That's every good. one of them between sort of seven seven fifteen in the Amazing. morning till seven forty five is every morning of the week I Amazing. do that, and thankfully if it was the opposite way around I'd probably want to just give up. So ninety eight percent is good, so therefore it's always okay. <laughs> um, but uh, two people have asked me the last couple of weeks, you know, how do we know it's you? And I said, well, there's always a spelling mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible after all that schooling and yeah, education. I, I just think God, it's got worse and because yeah. when you do, you know, if you were writing as as you still are then invariably you would remember. But yeah. because you're doing it on a, on a computer... So reliant on the computer, that's the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it, and it no, is not... And, and, and not all platforms um, spell check it, or if they do, it's American or something, and mm. you're doing it so fast mm-hmm. and you move on. So, yes. Well, it's like when I was a waitress, I have to say, I did try to not use a pad so that I used my memory, so I kept my brain active. That was always my one thing of, like, mm. actually going to the table and not, you know... So you're one of those, using, are you? I, oh, God, is that bad? Well, you know, how many... So did you... How was your... Productive, hundred percent. I, I was a very good. Waitress. So you remembered everything. Mm, so not much. like, not like, oh. You, I you, think you I'd forgot. worked there for so long, though. At that point, like I'd worked there from the age of fourteen, so I knew the menu off by heart. So I Fair suppose enough. that was probably <laughs> something. But was it a bit different? Like now, I mean, I say this as someone like um, we have a lot of allergies in my household, so we are the oh, we no, are those was, people no. that you know we need the chili removed, like the gluten free. No. I guess no, then not back it then. Wasn't, not back yeah. then. No, not at no. all. Because it literally was. It was a silver service restaurant. It was a la carte. It was you know whether you, you know everything was served your vegetables to yeah. the plate. It was just you got what you were given, and that was it. Like there was oh, none that. of the, the allergy stuff I have to say back then. Yeah. I feel like I sound like I'm really old now I'm saying it the way I am, but yeah. Things, <laughs> are, things have shifted a lot in the last two years. Yeah, two allergy, years. Yeah, oh. is a big is a big part of Yeah, it business. is now. And it's important, I get that definitely. So but I mean it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. To leave our listeners on a last note. Um, for anyone that's inspired by the hospitality industry or thinking about getting into it or even setting up their own bar restaurant, what would you like to give as your last bit of advice for anyone inspired by our chat today? Um, I, well, I, I don't know if it's just one thing. I, I think it'll be a little collection of you know, a few little things, which are all... I think you need to know your business. I'm sorry, know the industry. Mm. You know, wanting to have a bar because you like, you know, watching cocktail with poor, uh, with, with poor, what's his name, Tom Cruise, <laughs> isn't good enough. <laughs> Although I don't know, you know, you've got to you've got to have more. That you said know your know know the industry. Number one, in no particular order. Two, know the numbers. 
understand the power of cash flow because so many people, and I've been one of them, have been tripped up. And if you haven't got cash, you're gone. Yeah. However much profit you think you're making, if you haven't got cash in the bank, it's all over. Number two. And uh, number three, graft. Yeah. I'm afraid to say, as we said earlier, you know, mm. and, and unless you're very, 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 very wealthy or you know, a, a wonderful, brilliant inventor, in, uh, you know, is graft. Yeah. And yeah. that will never change. And I think, I think, you know, it's going to be... And, and, and number three, number four, I suppose, would be um, resolve, resolve. Get up, dust yourself down, make the mistakes, learn from them and go again and keep going. And then I suppose those are the four things. Resolve, graft, um, know the industry and cash flow. Yeah. And I suppose passion. There we are, yeah. five. Brilliant. Without passion, you're no one. Absolutely. So where can people find you if they are... Well, me personally. Uh, well, well, <laughs> we know that... that we, know that if, <laughs> we do know that if they want a response to an email, it's you at the no, end. No, they, they do get that. Yes, no, they do. Um, uh, no, I am around the restaurants. I do speak to people. I just, you know, I've learned the hard work because in the old days I would go into restaurants and, and I would <coughs> shout at staff and managers and talk to customers and I realised that that's not how you run a business. <laughs> You want, you know, you've got to empower the manager and the staff to fill it. So it's their business as well. So, um, well, there's a website, lusmans.com. Um, there's various spellings, but you'll find it in the end because there aren't many lusmans in this country. In fact, there are none. Um, and we have restaurants across yep. the county, so we're a strong regional player. Where, uh, just remind us where those restaurants are. So uh, we are in Hartford, where it all began after leaving London, uh, St Albans. Um, which we've been there for now in St Albans for almost 20 years already. Hitchin, uh, Harpenden and Berkhamsted. There's that five, yes. Yeah. And um, and we are growing, but I, I, I don't think it'll be in Hertfordshire now because we, we, we've got to get out of the county. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if we upset, can you imagine if we upset someone very, very <laughs> useful in Hertfordshire we're, we're, we're gone Every, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean it's like it's yeah. all over so yeah. we, we sort of need to have a, a relationship with someone else yeah okay. <laughs> I hear you <laughs> amazing well I'm excited to uh, hear more so please do stay in touch with us um, and yeah I just want to say thank you it's been yeah. absolutely wonderful I've really enjoyed getting to know more about you um, as an individual and as well as about your business as well so I hope that everyone else has found this as useful um, as we have so thank you very well, much well that, that's time. very kind thank, thank you for inviting me and, and I, I'm used to usually being the person who has to interview others so it was nice that I didn't have to worry about that yeah. and I was the person I've been asked a question so yeah thank you for, for learning about, about Lusmans and hopefully some of your readers or listeners um, or watchers, I have no idea what this Both. Oh, yeah. is. Watchers Watch, as well. Watching as well. Did you not know you were recording? I, I didn't know why there was a camera there. See, I always think a podcast is just like, it's just, you know, something to listen yeah. to in the car. So Eyes anyway, and ears. I see, right, okay. Well, I'd have made more of an effort, so I mean, I don't, you know. You look fabulous. Anyway, um, I, I hope that if nothing else, it, it'll secure at least a couple more diners to yes. come and try us out. Definitely. And we have, I will finish on, we have a wonderful set menu, which is called a local set menu, although we did have a regular, so we did have a customer come in the other day and said, is it only for locals? I said, no, 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 it's just called locals because it's sort of, you know, it's a nice way of terming, <laughs> because I live in Marlow. I'm like, it's all right, don't worry, we're all all right. It was, I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, it, it's just a phrase. But anyway, you can enjoy this wonderful local set menu. And we do it, unlike our competitors, seven days a week mm. till 6.30 p.m., every day and it's two or three courses for i think 19 and 23 but it's wonderful proper 
food and we change it every three months. So they don't need a proof of address to secure no, the local or age. No, I, I, I was amazed. <laughs> I, I, mean, I was lovely in a way, but I thought, no, no, it's just it's locals. You know, it's a regular, you know, and you can become one if you want. <laughs> oh, well, that could be our next business life, I think so, it? definitely, yeah. for sure. Thank, so thank you very much. Thank you for your no time. Problem. Thank you. Okay.